1: Producer Guy here, and before we get underway with today's podcast, we have an important message from BT. Yesterday marked International Day of People with Disabilities, and with that in mind, BT are running a huge nationwide campaign to increase awareness of para and disability football. It's called the 433 Strategy, a partnership with the various Home Nations FAs, unlike any other in UK football history. The outline is a four Home Nation FA partnership, the FA. FAW, SFA and IFA. Three focus areas, grassroots, women's and para-disability football. And they've three goals, the ambitions to make a meaningful difference and leave a lasting legacy in each area. And on that, Dave Prentice is here with me. Preno, I know you've got a bit more information on the work going on here in Liverpool.
2: Certainly have got, yeah. We've got um, a BC Help case advisor here in Liverpool called Gareth Arnold, now, he's passionate about sports and volunteering and he's heavily involved in helping children with disabilities and special needs get into sports through the Liverpool Foundation. Now, he wants to use his 4-3-3 role to open football to even more children and adults with disabilities by growing the para game locally.
1: Yeah, good luck to Gareth and great to have the support of BT. This has never been done on this scale across the UK before. You can join in and show your support as well using hashtag Discover Disability Football across social media. And for more information, head to www.bt.com forward slash home nations. Thanks for listening to our message. And now I'm with the pod. This is the Royal
3: Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Sam Carroll as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And once again, plenty to get our teeth stuck into as we look ahead to the lunchtime kickoff, the early kickoff tomorrow. Blues go to turf more, not always being the happy hunting ground as we would have liked it. But of we go with the optimism, but we'll, uh, we will see and we'll discuss the game later on in the pod. Of course, Friday as traditionally is Carlo Ancelotti press conference day, and plenty to have come from uh, Carlo's presser. Um, Adam, we'll start with you. Obviously, you were covering the presser. Um, Sound, Although sometimes it can be difficult to, to necessarily read too much into what Carlo says, but it does sound as though Unkanku, who was left out of the matchday squad altogether for the Leeds game, which is a surprise of, of, of a lot of people, may actually be involved tomorrow.
4: Yeah, which is, I think, you know, really good news. I think it, it probably proved to be the wrong decision, as we discussed earlier in the week, that Unkanku was left out of that squad. Obviously, you know, he's still a young player and he's still got a lot to learn in terms of you know, being being a Premier League player for Everton. But I just think having somebody who's naturally left-footed in that position would have been really key for that Leeds game. And it was obvious that Alex Awobi was just a little bit disoriented, especially defensively. You know, he didn't really know where to position himself whenever Leeds were coming forward in that first half. And Nkunku obviously won't have that issue. He's been brought up on that side of the pitch throughout his throughout his career. So he'll he'll know what to do in that sense. And I think against Burnley as well, we're gonna see if if we are to as we believe we're gonna use those wing backs again. They're gonna look more like wingers really against Burnley. You'd think that Everton are going to dominate possession. They're gonna try and attack Burnley I know Burnley are the home team. But you know, the, we know how they're gonna set off, you know, typical four four two, resolute defensively, try and nick as as many goals as they possibly can, but um, I mean, to dominate that game as they did in the first half against Fulham. And I think wing backs could be key to that. And we all know how good Unkunku has been going forward. Uh, so hopefully he can try and recreate that this weekend.
3: Um, Preno, um, <coughs> as, well, as well as in the top table press conference, as well as Carlo uh, hinting that, that Niels will be involved this weekend, he said that we're currently using three at the back as an emergency. Um, but again because Coleman and Dean aren't available we're having to use it um, but it sounds like we may be using it again tomorrow are you comfortable with us being three at the back at Turf Moor? Uh, no I'm not, we talked about it earlier in the week and um,
2: I just don't really see what it gives us um, it's not given us any greater defensive solidity as evidenced by the fact that you know we're still conceding goals despite using that uh, system and uh, we don't seem to be you know, Dwight plays uh, in the, the wing-back positions to make it particularly effective going forward. So, you know, whether that can change with uh, Nkongku used in that system and maybe John Joe Kenny, I don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, this is a great opportunity uh, to get a much-needed win at the weekend. Uh, Burnley are in dire straits at the moment. I mean, here's a stat for you. They've lost more games at the start of this season uh, or the most number of games they've lost since the opening league season in 1888 that's like wow. 120 odd years so they're on absolutely you know sort of dire straits they're toiling you know dreadfully just had five put past them by manchester city and you know it's a place where we've been in recent seasons I know are. Our record's not great at Surfmore, but, you know, people still remember the five goals we scored there. There was a boxing day you know, a couple of years ago. So, you know, it, it's not a place that should hold any fears. And if we go at them and we're on the front foot and we're proactive, you know, there's no reason why we shouldn't get a morale boost in victory. But whether using three at the back is the way to achieve that result, I'm a little bit,
3: I don't know, apprehensive, should we say. Just, just stay with you, much, cause you because you mentioned it, because... You know, we, we it should hold no fear. You know, and, and as you say, Burnley are, are in a really tough, a tough spell. But it doesn't feel as though it's the first time we've gone to Burnley when they've been in a tough spell. And our recent record, taking away that five-one on Boxing Day, uh, twenty eighteen, as you as you uh, picked out there, Ma- Marco Silva's big win there. Cumin lost there, Allardyce lost there, and then Silva last season lost there, and, and it really put him on the brink, didn't it? It really sort of it felt like the start, the beginning of the end. Um, why, do, why have we struggled or why have we been so inconsistent at Turf I think it's down to the, the kind of
2: game you get when, when you go to Burnley. Um, you know they're going to be, well, I say defensively organised. They haven't been this season, but generally, you know, so they don't concede that many goals. They're physical, they're direct, and uh, they play a kind of football that we haven't been equipped to handle uh, in the past. Uh, you know, the teams that we've taken there uh, have tried to be you know, so sort of a bit more technical. Tried to be, you know, so sort of more footballing, if you like, and play their way through them. And just haven't been good enough to do it, and uh, been bullied basically. Uh, so you know, you know, you've got to go there and, and win the fight first, win the opportunity to play your better quality of football. Um, Whether this current squad is capable of doing that, we are more physical. We've got more legs in midfield now with Dekure and Dallin. Um, You know, I'm not sure, but with three at the back again. You know, there shouldn't be too much to you know worry about aerially, uh, but. We've got to win the fight first. That's what we haven't done at Turf Moor over the last few years. And if we can do that, you know, you look at the two respective squads, and uh, you know, so our quality outweighs Burnley's quality by a million miles. But unfortunately, football isn't always won. You know, so purely and simply on footballing quality, there are lots of other assets that you need to bring to the table as well. Members need to do that first. They need to be properly switched on, properly intense, and at it from the word go.
3: Mm. Well, if memory serves, when we our last victory at Turf Moor, that 5 1 uh, under Marco Silva. I believe uh, he actually did play three at the back that day. Yeah. Keane, Mina, and uh, Zuma all played that, that afternoon. So uh, maybe that bodes well. Sam, um, Burnley, nine league games, they've scored four goals. If we can't keep a clean sheet tomorrow, are we ever going to keep one?
0: If we can't keep a clean sheet tomorrow, we might as well turn it in, mightn't we? <laughs> Second the season there. Um, no, it just doesn't look like coming at the moment, does it? It just feels a little bit every time every time we go forward, it does feel like we've got a, a decent chance of scoring ourselves. But equally, when teams attack us, you know, a lot of people have obviously said it, haven't they? That, that Leeds game, really, on another day is 6 5 Everton, 6 5 Leeds. It, you know, Leeds definitely deserve to score more than the one goal they did. They, they cut us open a few times, didn't they? So. You know, this is going to be a bit of a different style of play, but wouldn't it just be nice to just go and and get like a nice simple two 0 three three nil win? You know, the, the theoretically on paper we should uh, we should get, but yeah, at the moment a, a clean sheet doesn't look like it's coming. I think, I think in a weird way, Ancelotti overcomplicated things. I think obviously the thinking must be, you know, experienced <coughs> players fitting into a different position makes more sense than, you know, throwing a young lad like Niels Kunku in against, you know, a, a good and a, a different lead side, the way they play. But I think he's overcomplicated things in the sense of, you know, just, just play players in the positions, play right-backs at right-back and left-backs at left-back and and see how it goes, basically. I think you're going to get a much better fluidity uh, and and just a, a more natural um, formation out of that. So, hopefully it's a little bit of a return to basics tomorrow and a return to you know the days we all we all won. You know those opening few weeks of the season were great, weren't they? I think even the the win over Fulham wasn't really a. I think everyone was just relieved after that to win. There wasn't much of a. That was a great performance, was there? You know certainly not defensively, although it was good at times on the front foot. So,
3: yeah, a clean sheet would be nice, but at the moment I can't see it. Mm, Adam, how will concern you. We, we we joked about you know we're never going to get if we don't get a clean sheet tomorrow we never will. But on a serious note. Um, how concerned are you that it's nine league games in a row where we haven't kept a clean sheet? And in fact, I think the only other clean sheet, if memory serves, was was Salford in the League Cup. Um, Mm. So so that's two in, what, 13, 14 games in all competitions. Um, And it feels, and and, and I've written it, I'm sure you've written it, and I'm sure people listening have said it themselves, we look as strong at centre-half as we have done for a while in terms of quality. We've got... Better players in front of the defence, yet we're still we're still susceptible.
4: It's just it's just strange, isn't it? And I think you're right. The, the longer it does go on without a clean sheet, the more concerned you have to get about it. And I think what we've perhaps learned over the last two matches, let's say when we've switched this system. Now I don't think three at the back is the best system to judge this on, but I think you know the change in system kind of just suggests that this is down to individual errors. Still, for me, and I think that's. That's the more worrying aspect, and it's something that we've spoke about for years. Really, I think Marco Silva seem to remember speaking about the individual errors constantly in terms of his defensive options as well. And it's just something that a lot of players in the Everton defence just can't seem to shake. You know, at the start of the season, we obviously had Pickford making a few individual errors, which have, especially in that Fleetwood game, for example, which left Fleetwood back into the game at times you know we've had Yeri Mina make a couple of individual errors like the one in the Merseyside derby and it's just those little those little niggles like that are just are just really really tough to get over for the side and for, for some reason they just keep you just keep coming back even against Leeds you're thinking to yourself well does Alan come back enough to track the run of Rafinha does Godfrey close him down quick enough you know it it doesn't seem to be any any systemic problem in terms of Everton in a lot of games it is just those those individual problems just keep letting the side down and it I, I just don't know what you, what you do if you're Ancelotti if you to try and solve that you know there's only so many times that you can say to the, your defenders look you've just got to concentrate more for ninety minutes because that's that's what it comes down to at the end of the day these defenders just need to I think. To be fair, these three centre-backs, especially Godfrey, Keane and Holgate, I would I would be choosing. I would say just give them a run of games. If you're going to keep this system, just give them a run of games together at the back. They're going to learn each other's games a little bit better. Hopefully, that will be able to iron out to any inconsistencies that they might have of playing next to each other. But aside from that, it is just a matter of concentration with these players. You've just got to up, tell them, listen, just... just Concentrate for 90 minutes. Be on the ball. You know, Burnley are gonna. We know the way Burnley are gonna attack us. They're gonna be physical. They're gonna be throwing as many balls into the box as they possibly can. They're gonna focus a lot on set pieces as well. And you know, these these are areas where Everton have struggled uh, over the last few years. So Everton's defenders have really got to be on their game to try and stop Burnley. Even though they've only scored four goals this season. And as you rightly say, if Everton can't keep a clean sheet in this game against you know a team that have. Struggled so so massively to score goals this season. Then you just think to yourself, when is it when is it going to come? When's the penny going to drop for you know? Not even just the defenders, to be fair, the whole team to just be concentrated for ninety minutes, just be organised. It's it really shouldn't be as hard as it is, but Ever- Everton really are making hard work of it so far this season.
3: Preno, um K- Carlo has made no secret of the fact that he, you know, he is not scared of rotation. Um, and we'll come on to something he said about the 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 next two months ahead and, and, and rotation in that respect. But look, it looks like again probably will be back three um again tomorrow. And Adam has talked about keeping the same back three, but generally in the defence, Preno, do you think that Carlo needs to find a central pairing? And stick with them because even last season when things were going fairly well, you know, turn, turn turn of the year and into, into you know, February, March, et cetera, it was Holgate and then it was one of either Keen or Mina and you couldn't actually confidently put your money on who it was going to be. And to be honest with you, I don't know who's going to play tomorrow because it's going to be Keane and then of which of the other two, you know, I think he's anybody's guess really. It's down to the individuals themselves though, isn't it? I mean... um,
2: yeah, if they perform well enough that they get to keep the uh, the shares. And the fact that, you know, Carlo is chopping and changing, that is purely driven by, as Adam says, the mistakes that they're all consistently making. Um, you know, Yerry Meen has made like so two or three sloppy ones this season. He's lost his place. Mason Holgate's unexpectedly thrown back in again against United and didn't really make any mistakes, but didn't look particularly, you know, so comfortable or composed, perhaps understandably so. Uh, given he was you know, straight back in. So he loses his place then for the game of Fulham uh, and then it goes for a completely different system again or a completely different, you know, sort of triumvirate uh, the following week. So it's down to the players themselves, I think, just to prove that they can do it. I mean, Michael Keane has been the only constant and it's no coincidence that he's one of the few that hasn't really you know so committed any howlers this season he's produced a reasonably consistent level of performance throughout the uh, the campaign if Jerry Mina can do that he keeps his place if Mason Holgate can do that he keeps his place so yeah in an ideal world you do want to see a pairing performing consistently enough to warrant inclusion week after week that hasn't happened though and uh, you can't really criticize Carlo for that because he's only reacting to what he's seeing in
3: front of him Interesting. Maybe that should be... You, it feels like you've distilled the message down perfectly there, Pran. Maybe Carlo should just put it like that to the players. You'll keep your place. Um, Sam, Carlo in his press conference said, I will rotate uh, in reference to the games in December and January. Seven games in December and seven games in sort of 26 days. Six games in January, possibly turning into ace, depending on how well we do in the FA Cup and the League Cup. Um, is the squad strong enough? Is it deep enough? Does it have enough quality for us to come through those, what's that, seven, thir- 13, potentially 15 games, where we want to be at the start of February?
0: I'd like to think so, yeah. I still think that, you know, in in the summer... We didn't lose anyone who you know we didn't want to lose. We added Alan Decore uh, and Concu James, didn't we? So you know we've we've got more there. You've got Jean Philippe Jabaman who's, who's hopefully going to come, you know, be available for selection at, at some point in in January. You'd like to think, wouldn't you, if he's being expected back at some point in the next week or two? Um, so yeah, you, you you've got to hope so, and you've you've got to think that you know, with the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup now, we're in touching distance there, aren't we? If, you know, really getting excited about that. And, and Rotherham at home is a is a draw that obviously you can't take lightly, but there's definitely scope to, to change the team around a little bit. So there'll be opportunities to to rest our key players. And I think that this time of year, it's, it's all about luck, isn't it? You know, you look across to, to, to Liverpool and what's happening there. And you know, we've had seasons like that, haven't we, in the past? I remember a couple under David Moyes where it just felt like the whole squad was, was falling to pieces kind of thing. So you just got to touch, touch wood that some players, you know, and, and, and basically, you know, your Hammers, uh, Dominic albert Lewin, Richarlison are the main ones, aren't they, that when you can, wrap them in cotton wool. I don't know how much training must be able to get done when you're playing every three days. It can't be a lot, can it? And you've just got to hope that. They come through but I think one of the positives we do have is there's a lot of young lads isn't there you know, once Holgate's back up to speed, you know him uh, Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin you know a lot of young players who, who've got energy in the legs and then you look at the lads who can step in like Nkunku, John Joe Kenny, Tom Davies you know more young players who who you'd assume will be absolutely chomping at the bit to get a game and and to, to give a good account of themselves and someone Carlo spoke about today you know, Cenk Tosin and know I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but look, if, if he's the, the striker that Everton are saying, they want to have as a backup to DCL and Richarlison, then I'm not going to go against Carlo Ancelotti on that. And, you know, another player with a, a big point to prove and what a story it would be for him. If he if he could get a few goals and kind of force himself back into the reckoning. So definitely for where we want to go, with how tight this league is, do you know what I mean? It's, you're a couple of wins away from being second or third again at this point, so I think that the squad's definitely big enough if we if we get that little bit of luck you know, probably haven't got the quality in every position that we'd like, but how many Premier League teams this season are saying they have quality backups in every single position possibly not one, not even Liverpool or Manchester City, so I think where we are, we're in a, we're in a good position, we're still on paper longer than I'd say 75% of the league, um and, and, and we've just got to, got to get into it and, and you know Carlo's shown hasn't he already that he's not scared to rotate and, and he won't be scared to, to do it again I don't reckon I think as you're saying there at the centre-backs I think there's going to be quite a few games over the next couple of months where team news drops and we're, we're all a little bit taken
3: aback mm. He'll certainly almost certainly make changes in that last week in December only as he did when he first arrived The
1: Royal
3: Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Adam, when we, when first of February hits, will we still be in the FA Cup? Will we have booked our place in the final of the Carabao Cup? And will we still be two points off the top four? <sighs> Tell you what, it's quite the question. Um, but the start of a turn that one.
2: But, wow!
3: But ultimately, that is the two-month challenge laid laid bare, effectively, isn't it? And and look, I know two points off the top four is 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 a is a pretty good. Position and you know for five points we'll t- still take it, but you know what I mean. That's 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 where we are now. We're still in those competitions, etc. So can we still be where we are? Is what, I, is what I'm getting at.
4: Yeah, I think we can. I think Sam's right in saying that you know there there is quality in this squad, and you know I've said that a few times over the last few weeks in like my analysis points. You know the depth in the squad. You know you see the likes of Gilfie Sigurdsson on the bench, Andre Gomez, Bernard. Schenck Tosin, I think you can fall into that bracket as well. People who aren't even making the squad in terms of Anthony Gordon as well, who we know is such an exciting player. Jared Branthwaite, who showed his quality at the end of last season. You know, I think there's, there are real quality players in this Everton squad, and you've just got to find the right system to put them in for a start and get them on, well, for some of them, you've just got to get them on their day, really, which for, uh, annoyingly has come rather few and far between for some of them over the course of the last few months. But... You know, if if we can find the right environment to be able to get the best out of all of these players, then, yeah, I think the, there is enough. You know, certainly you've got to be thinking that Everton will still be in the FA Cup by the start of February. You know, barring getting somebody absolutely ridiculous in the next round of the draw. You know, Rotherham are home. We played, played them in the League Cup a couple of years ago, didn't we? And beat them 3-1. You know, you've got to be... Open for a, a similarly uh, comfortable route through uh, that round. Uh, the Manchester United game in the League Cup really just is a toss-up at the minute. You know, I, I think I don't think United look all that great uh, on, on occasions. that I'll watch them. You know, I watched them uh, against Paris Saint-Germain uh, the other day, and I thought in the second half. You know, obviously they're playing against a team with the quality of you know Neymar and Mbappé up front, but you know, I, I just think that. Oh, hey, my, keen as well. My, well yeah, yeah, can't forget him. Uh, but I think Ollie got it tactically wrong in the uh, in the second half against them. Could have, he should have taken Fred off at time when he nearly got sent off, and uh, could have changed things around a little bit when uh, Rashford got a little bit of a, an injury, but he didn't, and so he paid the price for it. And I'd like to think the Carlo Ancelotti, if you know, the same occurred. Uh, uh at Goodison later this month, Carlo Ancelotti would have the to be able to tactically come out on top against Oligun as as well. So, you know, I think I think that's just going to be a toss of who's going to be most up for it on the day. And, you know, hopefully with it being a Goodison and with there being at least a small section of fans in there, you'd hope that Everton will be able to come through that game. And then it's just in terms of picking up as many points as we possibly can in the Premier League. And I think we've obviously got a tough run of games in December, but weirdly enough, I think these are the type of games that it's easier to get yourself up for, even if you're making changes to the team. You know, you're coming up against the likes of you know, Chelsea a bit later this month, we've got Arsenal later this month, we play Man City just after Boxing Day as well, don't we? So, you know, th- these are big games, but even if we're making changes for these games, it's you know, if you're bringing in the likes of Gomez or a Bernard, let's say, to these games, you're saying to yourself, alright, go and and prove it on on the big stage now this is this is your real chance so you've got to hope that you know the reason that these players are at everton is because they can produce the performances like that for this club on on this stage because otherwise what's what's the point in them being here so i think the next the next two months really is crucial not just to see where we are in the table it, by the end of it but you know to, to see which players have taken their opportunities because it, it, everybody surely is going to get an opportunity over the course of the next two months and it's only up to them who's going to who's going to take it and who's going to progress you know hopefully for the remaining months of the season beyond that Brown same question to you uh, for
3: come 1st of February we'll be in the final of the Carabao Cup still in the FA Cup and still two points off the top four wasn't Adam confident enough for you <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I'm going to be the old cynic, aren't I? The old misery guts. I mean, that's a big ask, that to be, you know, sort of still exactly where we are in February. The one that concerns me and the one I'm most excited about is the Manchester United game. Uh, you know, it's a quarter final and it's a home, but it's a home game with very, very few fans in there. So the atmosphere yes. is not going to make that much difference. And it's three days before, you know, a really difficult, you know, sort of Premier League type. So we will make changes. Obviously, United will make changes as well. Uh, but from what I've seen of United recently, despite, you know, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's, you know, sort odd decisions here and there, they've got some great quality in that side. I mean, I watched uh, only about half an hour or so of the game uh, against PSG, and I must have seen the half an hour when United were electric, just the other side <laughs> of half time, when uh, Cavani's chipping the ball onto the crossbar and Martial's missing absolute sitters. And I'm just thinking, wow, you know, they're putting, you know, Champions League semi finalists to the sword here. And, um <sighs> I don't know they they can turn it on but you know so whether they will pick a side you know as good as that for that quarter final i don't know so that's the one that sticks out you know as as it could go either way really rather than you like to think that you know okay you know championship side struggling you know even if we do make changes that should be okay but there's so many big games between now and then in the premier league and there's a, a real potential to go you know up or down and that's why Saturday is such a big game against Burnley. We have to win that. We have to get some confidence, you know, So behind us. We have to show proof we can keep a clean sheet. You know, and then we've got, you know, so two or 3 toughish games, but, you know, games that, you know, you shouldn't be, you know, worried about, you know, facing. Arsenal have made one of their worst starts to a season for a long time, you know. So, you know, that shouldn't be a problem, despite their name and their reputation. Chelsea are flying, admittedly. That is going to be a very, very tough game. But, you know, there are games that can be won, games that can be lost. Um, it's a very pivotal point of the season this, and um, I wouldn't like to say which way it's going to go. I'm not going to be quite as confident to say that yes, you know, we're going to be a couple of points short of the top four and in both cup competitions because it could go either way. Uh, it's a big test of Carlos, you know, so time at Everton. I'm not say managerial acumen because he's proved that millions of times in the past with his uh, with his CV, but you know, a big test of his his time here at Everton
3: now, you know, where we are in February and how this season pans out. Just checked, actually, you talk about that <clears throat> quarterfinal and Manchester United maybe making changes. They go to Leicester on Boxing Day at 12.30. Oh, wow, that's good news. Cool. Yeah. So, nice. um, yeah, that is interesting, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah. Sam, we, we don't really, you know, it feels like we talk about the transfer windows non-stop on this pod. It's a couple of weeks since we've really addressed it. But, you know, less than a month now until the January window opens. Um, Carlo, again, keeping his cards close to his chest, insisting he's not focused on that. He's focused on sort of... A, the games ahead and and what have you and that's and that's understandable. Um, are you are you convinced either way about doing business next month? Do you think it's essential or do you think we can we can cope without?
0: I think in a in a dream scenario, you would like to, wouldn't you? And but then on the other hand, I think it was in one of your pieces this week. You know, looking back at some of the players that have arrived over the last few Januarys. You know, Everton superstars like Shani Tarajai and ass you know, don't quite have the, the track record in January, do we? I think it was the last two major January signings, Toosen and and Walcott.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And both of them, you know, both at the, the club obviously in in some capacity. But for the money we've spent, probably haven't got our our money's worth. So it's a it's, it's a dangerous market, isn't it? For for ones with better worth, really. And I think ideally, Marcel Brand probably. Wouldn't want to do it, but it's also a market of opportunity, isn't it? It's not to say it's impossible to do business in January. You know, <sighs> I even remember last season, obviously on a smaller scale, but you know, West Ham bringing in Suchek and, and he kind of tenner. <laughs> so there are yeah. chances out there and, and, and possibilities, and especially when you've got the contact book of a manager like Carlo Ancelotti and, and Marcel Brands as well. You know, if if Ancelotti thinks there's a chance to Bring in someone like Isco, someone like Milik, on, on either a short-term deal, or you know there was the the chance to do a a deal maybe similar to what what we did with James Rodriguez, maybe on a you know some kind of reduced fee or free transfer kind of thing. Then you'd have to go for it, wouldn't you? So there's there's going to be a lot of names linked, and we just got to see what happens. But I, I, I think the squad could probably do it just what one one or two, just a little boost, maybe a Another striker, but I don't know. It, it, it does seem like Carlo publicly, anyway, is is quite taken with Cenk Tosin, and, and I do suppose that you know, for for most of the games, with Charleston and Calvert Lewin and Hammers are going to be that front three aren't they? So, how much backup do you do you kind of need? I suppose, especially if you know Bernard and uh, Alex Awobi are sticking around as well. So, you know, it could even be a, a potential window where you you see a couple of lads move on as well, and. I think that'll be what's what's quite interesting about
2: it. But the one area I think that you know I would like to see addressed in January, and it won't be uh, because of what it will do to other people in the squad. But left back, I mean, Luca Dean is so vital and so important and so good to Everton. And if he's missing for two months, you know that's a large chunk of football he's missing. It's such a seriously important position, and we don't really have. A like-for-like replacements. If you accept that Nkonku was brought in at the start of the season as an under-23 player to develop and eventually become a player, and he's ahead of schedule, he's proved to be better than we thought he was going to be. But it's a big ask to ask him to play, you know, sort of seven or eight games in succession you know, sort of in the Premier League. So you're looking at make-do and mend options then. You're looking at Alex Iwobi. you're looking at um, Fabian Delph, you know, none of which are particularly you know exciting you know solutions to what what is a really big problem i mean whether we get to january the 4th and we find that dean is only like got a fortnight away from a return there's you no know, so that knocks it entirely on the head but i just think that's a p- position that's going to cause us a problem uh, over the next uh, the next month couple of months uh, especially if dean's you know uh, recuperation isn't as swift as we hope it's going to be
3: Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, and of course, Carlo last week, uh, rubbishing the prospect of asking uh, Leighton Baines out retirement. <laughs> Never mind. And, uh, I thought
2: about that myself. It, was um, a, it
3: would have been an ideal solution, wouldn't it? But wouldn't it indeed? So. Um, add what your thoughts on on Januarys? We're sort of a month or so, or less now from from the window opening.
4: Mm, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the January window. I think I've said this numerous times on the podcast, but it, you, I just don't think you ever get good value in the January window. You're either Getting a player who you know another club desperately wants to get rid of mid-season, so you've got to you've got to question why that's going to be the case on like individual basis, or you're going to be overpaying for a player that you know a team obviously isn't going to want to lose in the middle of a of a campaign. So I just don't think you ever get really good value for money, and I think Sam Sam bringing off the likes of Tosin and Walcott probably backs up that point more than more than anything, I think in in terms of the position I'd like to see addressed though, I think right back is especially if you especially if you've got the position where John Joe Kenny's in now where it just doesn't look like he's going to he's going to get his opportunity at all then we have, we've essentially only got one right back, and it's Seamus Coleman and you know, over the last few months he does seem to be just picking up these injuries here and there, you know, these muscle issues these little knocks etc so can you rely on him to play a full season anymore I don't think you probably can so you do need to look for another solution at right back and you know in an ideal world you're going to want to bring somebody in who's going to be the right age to then take the mantle from Coleman over the next you know season or two you know when you Coleman's game time eventually gets phased out over over the course of the next few years so I, I, I don't think the January market's going to be the right place to be looking for a player like that, of course. But you know, if 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 a short-term option for a quality right-back was to come up, you know, maybe on loan or for some sort of short-term deal, then I think that's probably the way I'd want to go because I, I just think the, the right-back options for me are, are starting to look a little bit threadbare if you're not going to be playing Kenny.
3: Mm um just just um, before we move we move on to to the game and predictions um just want to get your thoughts on on tosin you know carlo was asked by a turkish turkish journalist again today Jenkin. you know predictably he was he was talking him up you know carlo is the king of <laughs> king of man management isn't he and he and he does not sort of uh, he does not cast aspersions on anybody in public or very rarely does anyway um do do you do you genuinely feel that he he thinks Jenk has got a part to play or do you think it's actually, this is just a case of, well, this is the hand I've got and I'm going to try and make the best of it because, because for me, I think what I was trying to sort of, when he's talking about Jenk uh, toast and I think, well, 12 months ago, Carlo, you sanctioned his low move to Bristol Palace, which included a sell-on clause. So if he hadn't got injured and had played well, he probably would be at a different club now.
2: Yeah, I agree entirely. I mean, uh, he's cute, isn't he, Carla, With what he says, uh, and he, he clearly says things for a reason. He doesn't want Cenk's morale to dip. You know, he wants him to be ready and enthusiastic. Obviously, you know, for when he will be needed to join that very, very cluttered uh, December fixture list. Personally, I'm a fan. You know, and I, I, I've said, qualified that. You know. Uh, I'm not, you know, wow, he's one of the greatest centre forwards I've seen play for Everton. But, you know, what he does, he does well. He's a good finisher. Um, He's not the most mobile centre forward you'll ever find, but he's good at finding pockets of space in the box and finishing them off. And he does have a little bit more of a turn of pace than you think he has. Uh, That goal against Crystal Palace, was it uh, last season, or or the season before? Was it before by surprise? Yeah when he uh, sprinted from the halfway line, and whether you know, like his backside was on fire, um, <laughs> and Alan finished really, really well. Um, so no, he does have quality, and um, you know there, there are far less reliable options in the Premier League than him, and he is. It's not a like-for-like replacement for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but, you know, the role that Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been asked to play this season, you know, a six-yard box penalty box, or penalty area predator is exactly what Cheng Tosin is. Just Calvert-Lewin is much better as is. Um, so, that you know, if um, Calvert-Lewin does need to miss a game or two, Cheng Tosin is the obvious replacement. So I understand why uh, Carlos is talking him off. I think he's okay. I think he's a reasonably enough replacement. You know, Obviously, there's better quality out there. Uh, but if you're bringing in a player who's going to sit on the bench for the last proportion of the season, you know, you're know, you going to get a very bit frustrated player very quickly. Uh, so, Tosin's all right at the moment. And, yeah, I think he will play a number of games in December and he will score the odd goal
3: or two. Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, let's hope that is the case. Right, final part of today's pod. It is uh, predictions time. But, we'll have, you know, we will uh, talk a little bit about the game. Preno obviously talking about the challenge. Sam, Um what do you think of what's gonna to happen tomorrow? Early kickoff. Um, you know, as we as we discussed, Burnley's struggling, they've got a win now, but it's only one, don't score goals, um, but they're at home, tough place to go historically for us. How how do you see it panning out?
0: Got I think I've got a bit of a good feeling about it, you know. I think that we need a good performance. Still can't see us keeping the clean sheet, but no, nah, I think I think we'll be stronger than them. I think a lot's going to be judged on the start. You know, can't give them confidence, can't make them think. No, there's going to be a game on. I think the position they're in. If you can get the Reds down, nice and early, then it'll be tough, tough for them from there. So I'm going to go for a little three-one uh, blues.
3: Okay, fingers crossed. Uh, Ad, how do you think it, it'll uh, it'll go tomorrow?
4: Yeah, I think I agree with Sam. I think a lot is going to ride on our start to games. I think of the last few weeks, we've maybe struggled against teams who have been you know, high-pressing in our faces, very high intensity. Uh, I don't think Burnley are going to be that sort of team, but maybe we should try and do that to Burnley, put them on the back foot uh, from the from the first whistle. Uh, we kind of did that against Fulham, but when we scored early on, but I think even after that goal, we took our foot off the gas a little bit. So I'd like to see us, you know, maybe just go at them for the first 15 minutes, you know, really really put the cat amongst the pigeons in that sort of sense, and, you know, just try and, Try and hit them early, maybe get an early goal. That that of course happens when we beat them five one as well, didn't it? Got a got a, a few early goals on that day. Was it we three 0 up inside twenty minutes, something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So you know, if we, if we could stand ourselves in good stead. You know, in a perfect world, we'd we uh, we go and do that again. You know, it's, it's just that easy. But uh, <laughs> I I I can't I can't say that Burnley, With their four goals this season They're going to score against us I can't I've got to trust in our defence So I'm going to
3: go for a 2-0 win The first clean sheet in the league Since the opening day of the season Adam's going for Well initially
2: I was going to go for a clean sheet like Adam And go for a 2-0 And the more I was thinking about it It was like No we just don't keep clean sheets We just can't (laughs) do it And then I was thinking you know, More along the lines of 3-1 It's all about the start 100% um we've got a perfect record away from home when we've scored first when we've done well and you know so I'm going out of the blocks uh, you know 100 miles an hour we've got to do that we've got to make an absolutely flying start and make life uncomfortable for Burnley uh if we don't if we sit back if we allow them to gain a bit of confidence and gain a foothold in the game that's when it becomes a bit more attritional and become you know a, a bit of a problem so you know I'm Banking on the fact that we're going to make a flying start, and uh, Dominic's going to do the business for us in the first 15 minutes and score his customary first goal of the game. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, what do they say? Uh, Sam, great minds think alike, or is it fools seldom differ? Because I'm <laughs> going for three-one as well. <laughs>
3: mm. so in three-one the toffs. Three-one in, in in games against teams who are currently in the bottom six this season, we've scored two, four, three, four, and then obviously Burnley is is the next one. So. You know the track record is we will score goals tomorrow, so um, I think three two. I, I just, I just for the life we can't see keeping a clean sheet. And, and you know, to be honest, with Carlo describing the back th- back three as an emergency. Yeah. I think at the first sign of of pressure, you know, is that going through players' heads? You know, mm-hmm. this is you know panic stations a little bit. So fingers crossed we come through, but I, I, I'm not hopeful of a clean sheet. But uh, hopefully prove wrong, not for the first time. And. Uh, it won't be for the last. Excellent, chaps. Uh, thank you very much for your company and thank you for listening. Of course, stick with us across the weekend. Uh, I'll be at Turf more, uh, bringing uh, you ratings and verdicts and Adam back at base. Further analysis and uh, reaction, of course, from Carlo and uh, and Sean Dice. So keep, uh, keep with us across the weekend and uh, stay safe. And thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast.
1: You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.